0: okay thank you guys for coming back to listen to another episode i'm here with danny you have two names like the name that's on your instagram and then the name on the zoom is different which last name do you go by
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i need to update my zoom danny galden that's my married name
0: Okay. Danny yes. Galton. Got it. Oh, sorry. Then I sent the invite with your, your old last name.
1: Oh, it's fine. Like I'm, I just got married in October. And so it's still like fresh to me. Oh, I congratulations. Still call Danny McGee. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I got, um, we got engaged like in September. It all happened. I met him in June.
0: Wow. Last year. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. That's amazing. So- and now you're down in Florida. Everything is good. Down in florida i inherited three bonus babies
1: i'm pregnant with my first and married to a wonderful husband so and we're and we're now building a bus
0: i saw you guys are gonna live (laughs) on a bus (laughs) (laughs) okay so this conversation is mainly to talk about veganism why black people should be considering a vegan diet and really adopting it. So can you describe yourself a little bit? What do you do for work and what do you do for fun?
1: Yeah. So for work, I'm a plant-based nutrition coach. I'm also a vegan chef and I, my brand damn good vegan is an educational platform that helps people make the transition to a plant-based diet or vegan lifestyle. And cause we believe that it is the fastest way to optimal health and overall well-being, And so we do that through online courses or one-on-one coaching. Um, and then outside of work um, for fun, I guess who I am, um, I'm, a, I'm newly married, got married in October and I'm the mother to three children and I am also preparing to have my first birth. So that's happening in August of this year, 2021. And so I'm just excited about all of that because that all of that is new, but we've finally gotten into a nice rhythm. So Um, so yeah, and I love to go to the beach. I now live in South Florida. So love hanging out at the beach, um, swimming in any form, if it be in the beach or the bay or the pool. Um, and I also love experimenting in the kitchen. Me and my husband are both chefs. And so we definitely enjoy cooking and trying new recipes and considering our I would say fairly new lifestyle changes when it comes to our diet, which we'll talk about at some point during the podcast. We've kind of quote unquote, I don't want to say leveled up because I don't want to sound like I'm trying to be thing I'm any better. But for us, it was a level up because we wanted to cut out some things that were still like a vegan junk food or not necessarily healthy for you, but would still be considered vegan. And so now we just experiment with new recipes so that we can still enjoy food, but do it in a much healthier way
0: that sounds amazing being married to a chef and you're a chef too so you guys can just have so much fun in the kitchen and you know it's going to taste good
1: definitely i love that and also it doesn't it takes the responsibility off of me to have to cook <laughs> all the time right and so um so yeah and i can always trust that whenever he's in the kitchen it's going to be bomb and it's going to be amazing so and he was a corporate chef so he worked in um, like really nice places and had to learn about plating and presentation and um, flavor profile. So he teaches me things in so many ways when it comes to, um, to food presentation, as well as creating meals. And then I've guided him more so on like how to prepare plant-based meals, because he wasn't always plant-based. And, um, and so we both kind of come together and fuse our ideas.
0: So was he completely like meat eater, dairy eater when you met him and you've switched him over?
1: Actually no. So he had been experimenting with being plant-based for about 6 to 7 years prior to me, which is about the same time that I've been 100% plant-based. And cuz I went plant-based in 2014. So this year it'll be 7 years for me. And so he was try and then I think would go stretches but then with his work he had to, he was working at places that wasn't a vegan uh, restaurant or kitchen, and so he would have to try the food and sample it as the chef. And then before he knew it, he kind of went back to eating, you know, non-vegan things. But it was always on his mind to eat a little healthier. And so when we met, he was already well versed on what a vegan diet was, what it meant to eat plant-based. He just hadn't made the crossover a hundred percent. And um and like I said, we met in June of 2020. And then within like a month of meeting, he tells me one day, like, yeah, I just veganized my whole kitchen. Like I threw out everything and I'm just ready because I know that I need to do this. He knew the research and understood the implications that come with um the like the risks and the health implications that come with eating meat and dairy and other unhealthy foods. And so I think me coming into his life was kind of like that push, like, okay, this is my sign. Now's the time. And then, so basically since we've met, he's been a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I have tried to adopt a plant-based diet many times, and I'll just say that I'm not currently doing it. It's so hard to stick with it, but we're going to get to that later. I noticed you- are using vegan lifestyle and plant-based diet. So can you explain a little bit what the difference between a plant-based diet and a vegan lifestyle is?
1: Absolutely. I like to clarify this because people can get it confused. And so a vegan lifestyle is just indicative of the way that you choose to live your life. And so that could be the clothes that you buy, the type of activities that you go to. So for instance, let's back up the clothes that you buy, not buying leather, not buying suede or silk or anything that involved animal cruelty, Or the harm, like, or killing an animal in order to obtain that piece of clothing. And then when it comes to activities that you might do, that might be going to the zoo or going to the aquarium or marine park where you're seeing dolphins and whales and stuff. Um, Because in these settings, these animals are being caged and they're not living in their natural habitat. So for someone that's vegan, they don't agree with that because you're not allowing that being to be free and then there's also products that you might buy so there's products that are being tested on animals or that includes animal products that you're putting like like some makeup or some lipsticks for instance might have whale fat in it or were tested on a rat or some sort of animal to make sure that it was safe for your consumption and that would be against the vegan lifestyle because again an animal is being harmed or caged in order for you to consume that product and then there's also um, pets. Like some people might not feel comfortable having a pet because again, it's like you're domesticating an animal, you're caging the animal. And now I also want to clarify because some people might be like, well, I know vegans that have dogs. And I do too, because there's this, there, it really depends on the person. You don't have to stick to these rules to call yourself vegan. I do definitely want to um, emphasize that. And no one should necessarily cast judgment on someone because they're like, you said you're vegan, but your belt is leather. For one, they could have had that belt from before they went vegan. And it's okay to continue to wear that because they've already consumed it. And you might as well wear it until you can't wear it anymore. That's probably the more vegan way, because then you're not adding more waste. Um, But then with animals there's animals that need to be rescued. There's hunt, millions of dogs that need to be rescued and cats and other domesticated animals that need to be, uh, that need a home. And so some vegans might feel like that's the way to go to help a being that's in distress or needs love and and, and nurturing. But you won't, you probably won't see a vegan going to like an animal breeder, somebody who is continuously adding to, um, to the domestication of animals. Um, and then lastly, there's the food aspect. And so it's whatever you're, what you're eating, what you're consuming by mouth. And those are going to be, so the difference with, um, vegan, non-vegan is anything that doesn't include an animal product. So that could be Oreos, chips, um, or some chips, not all chips or a Coca-Cola. Like these are all products that are uh, technically vegan because they don't include any animal products but when we're talking about like now let's shift over to plant-based eating we wouldn't necessarily call that plant-based because this is a processed food highly processed probably doesn't contain any nutrition and so um so if you're really trying to go vegan or plant-based for your health then you want to focus on a plant-based diet so before I move on to the plant-based diet. So that's a vegan lifestyle, really not contributing to any animal cruelty or harming animals in any way. So eating a plant-based diet, I like to say that I do that because, I mean, that's truly what I do. And I don't eat things like, um, I don't know, let me see. like, okay, like the things I named off, I wouldn't eat Skittles. Skittles are now vegan. They weren't vegan when I first went vegan, but now they are because they don't use um, gelatin. And, um, I don't drink sodas. I don't eat, I wouldn't eat Oreos. I really don't eat a lot of things that are packaged. I'm eating out of the produce section or whole foods, like whole plant-based foods. So that's going to be fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, grains, and legumes. And those are my six categories that I choose from. And then I take those whole fruits, vegetables, and all of that, take those whole foods and I put them together and create amazing meals from that. So that's kind of the two differences. And so I really, for those that are listening, if you are going vegan for your health, then I would say focus on a plant-based diet. If health isn't necessarily like your number one concern, but you're more so vegan for the animals or the environment, then you want to make sure that, your products that you're consuming or the way that you're living your life is in accordance to not harming
0: animals. That was a great explanation. I don't even think I completely knew the difference. So I'm glad that you sorted that out before we really get into this. I am curious, how do you feel about you know Impossible Meat and Beyond Meat then?
1: Yeah, um, good question. So I am a proponent of those companies for the sake of the animals. And because for one, you're you're killing one less animal if you're eating those products, as opposed to eating beef, turkey, chicken, fish, et cetera. And so I think those products are really great for those that are transitioning, because when you're first transitioning, you still want to have foods that kind of look like what you're used to eating, that are comfortable for you to still consume. And you don't feel like So much has been taken away from you, and so I think there's like a time and place for that. But again, if health is your number one concern, and you know if death is knocking at your door, or you are on medication and you know you need to make a change immediately, I would stay away from those products because health-wise, I am not a proponent of those products. Mm -hmm. I would not tell my clients that are like, "Yeah, I want to get off of my high blood pressure medication." Well you know, these products still have sodium, high levels of sodium and other chemicals in there that won't necessarily help you get off of your medication, though they might, you know, these products will help you with your transition to a vegan diet. But if you're going for your health, let's focus on creating a burger from black beans or from quinoa or chickpeas and doing it that way so that you can actually get to your end goal. Because some people will see plant based on these products and be like, oh well, it's plant-based. Yeah, let's turn it around and look at the actual label and see what the ingredients are. And if you see things that you can't pronounce, it's no different than a product that is on the shelf with that, you know, that wouldn't be considered vegan, but have chemicals in there and other toxins and things that you just don't recognize. So so all in all, I would just say that um It's a a yes or no answer for me. Yes, I do, you know, because I definitely am vegan for everything. I don't want to see animals being harmed. And, um, but I also want to see people be healthy, especially within my own community, because we are the ones who are going to benefit the most. And I know we'll talk about that at some point, but we are going to benefit the most. So when I see my own people that are ready to go plant-based, I'm like, this is how we got to do it because Mm -hmm. we got to break these generational curses of these preventable diseases.
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. So you've been vegan for seven years. You said, what made you initially make the switch?
1: So I went vegan overnight on accident. In 2014, I started off the year doing a, um, like like anybody that starts off a year, they're like, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna get healthy, go to the gym. And so I actually committed to going to the gym and I was doing that for months on end, like at least three months, steady going to the gym. Those first three months, I gained a little bit of weight. And I'm like, I've been working out six days a week, what is happening? Well, what was happening was, <laughs> I was at the time, I was going through also a hard time at the, um, d- during that transition because I um, had recently broke up with a boyfriend. I had just moved in with my parents. Um, something was going on with my car, and so I didn't have transportation. I wasn't working, so I was like, I felt like I had nothing. And so I'm like, okay, the gym was everything for me. And then I got a part-time job, and I was working at a grocery store overnight, and I was working at a burger restaurant. And so I would go to work, both of my jobs after the gym, go to my jobs and just kind of eat whatever I'd go to the burger place. Cause I can literally eat for free while I'm there or half off. And so I was eating whatever. And of course the, the gym kind of increases your appetite. So I'm eating like a lot and they had milkshakes there too. So <laughs> milkshakes and it just resulted in me not losing weight, but then a light bulb, a light bulb went off and I realized I need to change what I'm eating. So at that point I started to meal prep, but I was still eating as an omnivore, which is where you eat, you know, everything plants and animals. And so I tried that for about three more months and I lost 25 pounds on my own. Well, in June of 20 of 2014, that same year, Even though I had lost 25 pounds doing that, I found myself not losing anymore. Like three weeks went by, nothing was happening. So a friend of mine, she tagged me on a post on Instagram for a 21-day plant-based challenge. This challenge, they were going to give you all the recipes for free. There was going to be a Facebook page for group support and um and just a lot of education on what you're doing. So, I went ahead, I signed up and I was like, maybe this will be the thing to help me lose 10 more pounds. And so, July 14th of that year, I got started. Within the first 3 days, I lost 4 pounds after hitting a plateau for 3 weeks. So, I was like, well, there's something to this. So, for diet purposes, like that was it because in my head black people don't go vegan. This is my thought process at that time. I had met somebody who was vegan back in 2010. He was you know, saying all the things that I would say now. And I'm like, yeah, but no, there's chicken, there's shrimp, and there's mac and cheese. I'm not doing that. You sound crazy even telling me that that's what you do. So fast forward, I'm thinking I'm just going to do this for three weeks because I want to lose some weight. Well, the following week, the group host posted a list of all the documentaries that were available at that time in 2014. I had two days off from work. I literally binged on all of them. And by the end of the two days, I realized, oh my gosh, not only should I be vegan because this is helping me lose weight, but it felt more like my duty to be vegan because I started learning about the animals I started learning about the environment and if I'm somebody who and I was always like I'm like the piece of love hippie type of girl in my family and so I'm like I just love everybody and I don't want to create any harm but if I was but I wasn't putting it together that I was doing that to get food to my plate so that's when I'm like yeah I can't contribute to the animal cruelty I can't if I want my children to have a green earth to live on, I also need to do this for the environment. And it answered all the questions on why my family and friends were going through the issues that they were going through medically. Even myself, like I had IBS, I had joint pain. I wasn't sleeping well, depression and anxiety symptoms, headaches, low energy. Like there was just so much going on. So after I made the change, those first few days, I felt so amazing. And then watching the documentary, I realized I needed to do this for the overall good of like myself, my life, my future, the planet and others. And so, yeah. So then 21 days have now turned into nearly seven years. or be seven years in a few months. And it was the best decision that I've ever made.
0: That's amazing. That's such a great story. And I'm glad you brought up the mental health. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how switching to a vegan diet impacted your mental health? And do you think that uh, diet should be explored more as a means to combating mental health issues? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. So for me, I do believe that um, it helped me in the sense of um, for one, healing my gut. And from what I've learned over the years, our gut is our second brain. And there is some sort of research out there, though it's not necessarily like this. It, I don't think it's the answer for everybody with mental health issues, but there is some, some, some research out there saying that um, those that are having mental health issues do have extremely poor gut health. And so, um, so for those that might be, this might resonate with them, just do more research on that to see, because I haven't dived too deep into it. I just know from my own personal experience, as I was transitioning and eating more fruits and vegetables, foods that made me feel alive and that looked pleasing to the eye, more color, I just... And then of course, like I lost weight and I started feeling more confident and my body just started feeling better. I was sleeping better. So my energy levels were better during the day. Mentally, there was like less brain fog and more focus. And I think because of the results of losing weight and also of uh, some of the other side effects of being plant-based, like less brain fog. And having the clarity and being able to focus and sleep better then resulted in the improvement of my mental health. And there was also a sense of pride that I got from knowing that I was also not contributing to the detriment of our planet or hurting animals. And that joy also kind of like lit me up a little bit. We're like, okay, now when I, every meal that I choose, I'm doing something good for myself and for those around me and for, 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 for everybody, for the greater good. And so it just allowed space for me to, um, to heal and to elevate. And I also, I mean, through my spiritual journey, I've also learned that you can eat foods that can, you know, um, increase your intuition, that can increase your psychic abilities, um, that can bring balance to your chakras and to your energy centers. And so I don't see why eating a a plant-based diet wouldn't help you in your mental body as well, you know? So, Though I don't know the exact research or science behind it, I know for myself, I just started feeling better and it gave me space to really like open up and ascend and heal. And, you know, it's just, it's been a part of the whole journey, just a part of healing overall. So yeah, absolutely. For myself, I would say the depression and anxiety symptoms lessened and lessened over years as I was transitioning more to a healthier
0: diet. That's a great point. And I do think I have another interview coming out um with a therapist who is talking about exercise as a way to improve your mental health. And I think we all, of course, if you need medication, take it. I'm not saying like fuck medication, because I do think that if you need it, you should take it. But there are other methods um to improve it. And I think diet is worth exploring. Yeah, and there
1: is a um a meme with, I think it was, I don't know if it was Jim Carrey who said it. I feel like he was the one who said it. it was something like, you know, you say you're depressed, but are you eating right? Getting enough sunlight, working out and, you know, all of these things that we know we should be doing. And it's like, yeah, let's try that stuff first and then see if it's really an issue or you're just kind of lacking some basic human needs.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, So five years ago at this point, I stopped eating beef and pork and I think I stopped drinking soda and my family was like, that's crazy. I could never, (laughs) I could never stop eating beef. And I know black people in general from all different cultures, black Americans, Caribbean, black people, Africans are all like, I'm not giving up meat and black Americans are definitely not giving up dairy. So how, I'm sure you believe Black people should be switching to a vegan diet, but how would you respond to claims that a lot of animal products are a part of our culture?
1: Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, because I, I was recently on a panel back in February, they were doing a um, the discussion about soul food. And it was with other vegan women, we were talking about soul food and veganizing it. And what does soul food mean for the community? And I feel as though um, soul food, the term soul food was given to the foods that we were eating at that time because of who we are as people, right? Not necessarily because it was chicken or it was, it, it was fried chicken or it was mac and cheese or anything like that. It was because of Who we are as people, and so soul food, or when we think about soul food, that's like fried chicken, that's collard greens that has some sort of like ham hock, some sort of meat in there. Um, Definitely mac and cheese with like five different cheeses. You gotta have all the cheeses, Um, and and the candied yams. I mean, the list goes on, right? Of things that we know (laughs) essentially are just like not gonna make us feel good, but if we rethink soul food and really think about it in the sense of soul food is really anything that makes us feel good. I grew up Caribbean. So the typical like Black American soul food wasn't necessarily my soul food. Soul food for me was like oxtails and curry goat and rice and peas and you know things like that. And so I think it's all about what makes you feel good. It might be the food that your grandma makes, no matter where you're from. The food that your grandma makes, that's soul food for you and your family, because when y'all gather around for holidays, that's what you're eating. So um, so for our community, for black people specifically, I think it's just releasing the habits or the chains that have been put on us because we are so connected to what I would call slave food, because a lot of our foods that we call soul food came out of slavery, came from. Just having whatever we could have and recreating it, recreating it so that it was palatable, it tasted good. And, you know, we're not slaves anymore. We're not enslaved, I should say. Let me take the term back. We're not enslaved people anymore. And a lot of us have means to an end where we can go to the grocery store and get some sort of food. And it's all about choices now, making better choices. And what a time to be vegan because everything that you have eaten as an omnivore can be veganized now because of food technology or people experimenting with other, um, just ways to just make things taste similar to, um, the omnivore version. So, um, so I think I answered your question. Um, I don't know if I missed something. Okay, cool. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of, that's just how I feel about soul food. Just whatever. Oh, another point is soul food also should make you feel good. Not just like that, like, oh man, this tastes so good. I'm feeling good, but physically feeling good where like afterwards you're not like, oh my God, I'm so full or I got to run to the bathroom or my blood pressure's way up because yesterday Thanksgiving, I ate way too much. Now soul food should be good for your mind, body, and soul, not just this idea of what it was because of the history behind it. We're allowed to give up some history and traditions if it no longer serves us. And we can tell by the data that diet is no longer serving us. When we look at the numbers of how heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, diabetes and cancer is affecting our community.
0: A lot. Like so many people are dying. So many people's grandparents aren't even making it to their life expectancy. And our life expectancy is lower than white people's and Asian people's because we, we do eat a lot of animal products. I think most of my older relatives either have heart disease or high blood pressure or high cholesterol or diabetes or all of them. And yeah. Yeah,
1: And I also want to add that, yes, on one hand, eating too many animal products is, is the main problem, but also if you're listening you're like, yeah, I'm just not doing that, Danny. Uh, I'm not giving up, you know, this or that. On the flip side, because you're eating so many animal products, you're not making space for the fiber and the hydration. So your fruits and your vegetables and all those things that actually are like nutritious for your body. So if you're thinking like, well, how do I balance this? Just make sure that you're eating less meat, less of the dairy products And consuming more plant based options so that at least digestive wise, your body's able to process meat and dairy faster. Meat and dairy contain no fiber and no water. Those are the two things that you need for your body to digest food. So, literally, those two products are going to sit in your stomach or in your digestive tract and just rot away until the plants have come through to move it along. So, So yeah, so it's really just about finding that balance. But of course, I definitely want people to go as plant-based as possible. But if it just doesn't seem feasible at the moment, you can at least try by reducing how much meat is on your plate and how many dairy products are on your plate and increasing your fruits, your vegetables, especially your leafy green vegetables. We wanna see more spinach, more kale, more lettuces and all of that.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. All right, so another big um, complaint or, I guess, uh, point from the opposition to a vegan diet is that it costs too much to be vegan. It's so expensive to be vegan. Um, and technically, that's not true. At least I know that that's not true. Vegetables are not that expensive. But I think people are normally referencing like having impossible meat or beyond meat or having the pre-made vegan meals, those can be a lot more expensive than the non-vegan options. Do you think that the ability to have a vegan diet that is super flavorful and has a lot of variety is a privilege in a way?
1: Great question. Yeah. And um I would say yes, eating a vegan diet is expensive because just like you said, if you want to have the prepackaged foods, the things that are already prepared you're just going to throw in the stove or on the grill yeah it's going to cost you you can buy i want to say beyond burgers you buy two for like eight dollars or something Mm -hmm. like that and that's only if you get it if that's if you get it you know um like like a good deal sometimes i've seen them worse than that but you could make you could with eight dollars you could have probably made like 12 to possibly 20 black bean burgers and so um so it's kind of like, this is the thinking. Think about as an omnivore. In your current diet, if you are an omnivore, think about buy, cooking at home versus eating out or cooking at home from scratch versus buying something that's already prepackaged and ready to go, pop it in the oven type of thing. It's going to always be less expensive to cook from scratch, all right? And so the same concept is with plant-based versus vegan. If you stay in the produce section, though produce might have a sticker shock, you might look at this and be like, yo, $5.99 per pound for this Honeycrisp apple, mm-hmm. okay? Because they are expensive. Yes, those might be expensive, but you can get the other apples. There's apples that are cheaper than that. So I say for one shopping season, So shop what fruits and vegetables are in season, shop locally because now it hasn't had to have traveled so far. So now you can get a lower cost because there was, it took less for it to get to you. And then, um, with shopping, what's in season, those are more bountiful. So the cost it's about supply and demand. So when you have more supply, the, um, the cost is lower. And then also. By starting from scratch, you're going to know exactly what's in your products or in your food. And this actually ends up leading to eating less food because we tend to eat to overeat because a lot of people feel like, well, hunger is the absence of food in my belly, which is absolutely not true. Hunger is actually the depletion of nutrients in your body. So when you've used your energy, you've burned some calories, your body is now like, yo, I need vitamin K. I need some vitamin A. I need some B12. I need this. I need that. I need to be replenished. But if we go and grab a burger that doesn't have any of these nutrients in it, all we've done is satisfied our belly. We've expanded our stomach. And but we haven't actually given our body nutrients that it needs to thrive. But in turn, if you were to go and eat um, a very well-balanced salad, and when I say well-balanced salad, I'm not talking about like some iceberg with a little bit of carrots and some croutons and maybe some cucumbers. No, that's not well-balanced. You'll be hungry in five minutes eating that. I'm talking about maybe starting off with something like, kale or spinach as your base or even romaine as your base and adding your vegetables that you typically like, if it be those carrots and cucumbers, but also adding in, um, some beans, you can add chickpeas or add black beans or lentils to a salad. You can add, and you also want to add some fats some healthy fats like avocado. So when you have all of those macronutrients, which are healthy carbs, healthy proteins, and healthy fats, that satiates your body a lot better. So in turn, you're going to end up um, eating exactly what your body needs instead of overeating, like when you would eat that burger and fries and maybe a milkshake and then go to the movies afterwards and you're eating a bucket of popcorn. Your stomach is not that big. Your stomach is actually supposed to be the size of your fist. And so when you think about well, at typical American restaurants when you go out to eat, you got uh, definitely more than a fistful of food. You got and go to cheesecake factory, you got food for days. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so to answer the question specifically, it can be more expensive if you're going the prepackaged route, but if you have the time and energy and willingness to prepare things from scratch, then your plant-based ingredients are actually going to be the cheapest ingredients in the grocery store, when it comes to nutrients and what it's actually going to do for your body and even calorically, what it's going to do for your body. So, you know, um, I definitely say it's a misconception and a myth and um, something that people kind of like use maybe as an excuse not to make a change, but if you know how to grocery shop and how to navigate your way through, um, through your local market, then you'll definitely see yourself saving more money.
0: Yeah. Good that's a good point that you don't have to eat out, I mean whether you're vegan or not eating at home is always going to be cheaper and if it's 10 times better for you or even more, why not give it the shot. Okay, so when I was looking up things for this interview, I looked up vegan celebrities and I was shocked to see that there were no black people really mentioned. I think Erica Badu was so far down the list. Beyonce was so far down the list. And I was like, hmm, I see a lot of Black vegans on my social media, but I do seek them out. I think the vegan community as a whole is pretty whitewashed. How do you feel about that? And do you think that the idea that being vegan is a white people thing deters Black people from trying it?
1: So veganism is definitely whitewashed it's amongst a lot of other things that are culturally like yoga yoga is whitewashed people think it's for white people but it definitely did not originate in any type of white country and or caucasian country but um let me stick to the point so when it comes to veganism um yeah for some reason i don't really know why that has happened because when I look at history or I think about history Africans were, when we think about original people back in the day, as far back as we can go, we were more plant-based than we were omnivores. Because when you think about it before, you know, before creating weapons and, or even before fire was discovered because we have to cook most, most meat that people eat has to be cooked. Um, Also, it has to be hunted and captured. So before that, how did we eat? We were gatherers. So for me personally, I don't know anybody else, for everybody else, but if I'm faced between, okay, I got to go kill that cow or that animal that's running away from me, or I can walk up to this tree and pick this apple, pick this, this lettuce and pick these fruits. Which way am I going to go? (laughs) I'm probably going to just go the path of least resistance and just gather and and eat those foods. And so a lot of people believe that eating animals um, is a result of colonization. And, you know, if we think about like um, geographically in the areas where a lot of the white people come from or Caucasian people come from. In those areas, they didn't necessarily have the same type of vegetation that we had in Africa because of the temperatures in Africa, as opposed to maybe the temperatures in Europe. And there were times of it being cold where you can't grow anything out of the ground. So you have to hunt and you have to find a way to survive. So um, so that, make, that resonates with me and just makes sense that, okay, this is something that those that were in that region, they had to learn how to survive. So they started eating meat, and it became a a, a way of life. And then, as um, as people migrated from those areas to then begin colonization within the motherland, the, those things those were some of the inform that was some of the information that was exchanged. If there was, you know, Africans were teaching them things, and we we were being taught things as well. And so um, so I think as original people, we were more plant-based. So fast forward,
0: um, what was the original question? Is the vegan community being whitewashed? Oh, yes. And is that yes. deterring Black people from trying it today? So
1: fast forward, now here we are in modern society. And for some reason, we've really gotten away from our roots. And not even for some reason. I mean, there's that 400-year gap of, just not being connected to our ancestors and understanding the stories and knowing maybe how we lived before. And so um, it was just, it's just been a way of life. And I think it's been hard for people in general, not just black people, but people in general to give up that concept of just not eating meat and, but definitely within the black community, because of all the other things that we go through when it comes to um redlining the ghettoization of black communities um also you know living within spaces where you have food deserts or others like to better describe it as food apartheid, because it's purposely done it's not like this just natural thing that happens in black communities like oh okay yeah just all these mcdonald's and and Burger Kings and unhealthy foods just happen to pop up like it's done on purpose. And you go into the grocery stores in low-income areas, and you see that the produce isn't really that well, and they're more stocked up on the junk food than they are the fresh foods. So, um, so I think educationally, we are lacking to understand that for one, we deserve access to fresh food. And we can actually thrive more than just survive. We can thrive on a plant based diet, but giving up what we think is so cultural is hard. And then when you look at food that you don't recognize, like for instance, I've done plenty of work in Southeast DC. I used to live in Southeast DC. And I really enjoyed that experience because it showed me, it showed me a different experience or a different perspective. I grew up in Northern Virginia. Every city I lived in, Northern Virginia, we had like five or six grocery stores, nice grocery stores that were within a very short radius. So it was never like a a lack of having access. But living in Southeast, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, there's three grocery stores that service, I think, a quarter million people. And in Northwest... You go to Northwest, and it's a completely different story. You got tons of grocery stores, all different brands, all different, you know, levels when it comes to, um, to price ranges and things like that. But not in Southeast. And so, when I was doing work in Southeast, I realized that when I would go out to my cooking demos and stuff, I would bring my first time, and it was the last time I would I was bringing like hummus and, um something maybe I think something was served with quinoa and them folks was like what is that girl (laughs) (laughs) no okay I don't I don't and they said and what kind of troubled me was I don't eat healthy so I don't even want to try it and that bothered me because I'm like well first of all you don't have to eat healthy to just try something but just that narrative of feeling like well I don't eat healthy okay why is that why do you feel like that? Like, let's unpack that. And so I haven't dig deeper into understanding the, the under, like the, the mindset of that, but people think that. And so they feel like they're not worthy because they're just like, I don't eat that. I don't eat healthy, but you're so worthy of this. And then on top of that, and then on top of that, they also don't have access. So they just think that, well, whatever's in my neighborhood, the corner store, the carry out, the McDonald's, the Denny's, that's it. Like that's where I eat. And that's, that's that. So, um, <clears throat> so I think, you know, overall, just the, a lot of the, the issues that are outside of just what we're eating affects why we eat what we eat. You know, there's, we're not getting paid enough to support ourselves to even think about eating proper foods where we might not have transportation. We might not, we're not being educated. This We're not being um, educated on these topics in schools. So even access to healthcare so that a doctor could tell you, advise you, oh, you should be eating this and eating that. So, um, so yes, to, to wrap it up, um, it's definitely been whitewashed. And unfortunately, it's staying that way currently because people, Black people are subscribing to it. We're thinking that, yes, I don't, I'm not, but you're basically saying I'm not worthy of eating healthy. And because I don't know how to, or it's not in my neighborhood when I hope that me as a Black woman showing my lifestyle and the fact that I was once someone that was an omnivore can show that there's a change and that you can actually get better by just starting with yourself.
0: Absolutely. And I think a wider variety is really good too. I mean, Tabitha Brown is great. Love her, but she can't be the only Black vegan that everybody knows about. And if you're even remotely interested, go on social media hashtag Black vegan is a thing and you can search and find so many different Black people who make different kinds of foods. Because if you're Caribbean and you watch Tabitha Brown and she mostly makes soul food, Amer- Black American, technically soul food, then that might not appeal to you. So yeah. And um,
1: and uh, another thing about Black vegan celebrities, I think mm-hmm. another issue is that there's there's a lot quote-unquote, a lot. I mean, not compared Mm. to probably, like, the white celebrities that are out there, but they're out there. I just don't think that they're necessarily putting that at the forefront. Mm -hmm. You know, like, Kimberly Elise, she's vegan. Taraji P. Henson, she's vegan. I didn't know that. Status P. is vegan. Yeah, you know, um, and so, gosh, who else? I'm trying to think who else is Persia White from, um, Girlfriend, she played Lynn on Girlfriend. Oh, really? She's vegan. Angela Means, who played Felicia on Friday. Everybody knows her by Felicia. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> vegan. She actually owns a vegan restaurant out in LA. Um, of course, we know Erica Badu is vegan. Um, Riza from Wu from really? Tang. Yes. So there's, um, and I think Jermaine Dupree. Even so, there's, there's, they're out there, but they're not necessarily making it like the forefront of who they are. So for those that are listening, I think a great documentary to watch is Feel Rich. It's perfect, though it's not a completely vegan documentary. It is a documentary that kind of, for one, it's just all Black people talk, and not just Black people. I mean, Fat Joe was on there too. He's talking about when Big Pun died and how that changed his life, and Paul Wall was up there too. Cause uh, you know, he lost a bunch of weight too and got a lot healthier than he was, but it speaks to black culture and shows um, Russell Simmons was on their common. Those are two vegans as well. I think Quincy Jones is vegan. And so they're all talking about how, you know, we're out here like showing the girls, the, the cars, the money, the lifestyle that the fast lifestyle, but We failed to show that, yeah, before we went to the video shoot, we got up and ran a couple miles, maybe did some yoga and meditated and had a green smoothie. And, you know, and so I think it would be nice to see more of these Black celebrities sharing who they are, because you shouldn't have to question like, oh, she's vegan? I didn't know that you know, because they should talk about it more. So it's really about people really stepping into it and saying, you know what? I'm going to share this part of me because it's a part of my healing. It's a part of also healing my community. It's like sharing is caring. We can't just keep this information to ourselves. We gotta give it, we have to share it with our folks. We gotta save them because some people don't know what they need to be saved and it could simply be choosing different options in the grocery store.
0: So you mentioned at the beginning that you're pregnant with your first child and I assume you're staying vegan throughout your pregnancy.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. I mean, yeah. It, it was like a no brainer.
0: Yeah, right. Um, I've heard a lot of uh I guess complaints or what is the word that I'm thinking of? Controversy? Yeah, where people are like, well, that's not good for the baby being vegan you need protein which is so annoying
1: (laughs) Gag me with a spoon oh my gosh
0: (laughs) does being vegan deprive you of any of the nutrients that you or your baby would need no
1: okay that's the short answer (laughs) no so um, I know let's have the protein um, discussion because that's usually where people go when they're like, oh, you're vegan. Well, how do you get your protein? Well, the original protein comes from plants. Yes. So all of the animals <laughs> that we currently eat in our, in our society, American culture, um, all of them are omnivores. I mean, all of them are herbivores, sorry. All those animals are herbivores, herbivores. So chicken, they don't eat meat. Cows don't eat meat. Um, turkeys don't eat meat. These, these are all herbivores. And so obviously if we see a cow that goes from, I don't know, I don't know what they're born. I think they're born at like 200 pounds or something. They're pretty big when they're born, but then they over like their infant life, or, you know, between when they're born and when they become an adult cow, they gain like, um, they go like 2000 pounds, 3000 pounds. And I know I'm not going head to head with a cow. Like I'm not messing with them. So a cow that should show you that even like a gorilla and an elephant, these are all animals that eat only plants. And so to my point, um, the original protein comes from plants. So we're really talking about amino acids. Those are the building blocks of our bodies. We definitely need those building blocks in order for our bodies to properly function and to be whole. And so anything that is a whole food, like fruits, vegetables, all your nuts, your seeds, your grains, they all have some level of protein. Now, the problem is that we in America, probably the maybe parts of the world are over consuming protein because we're so fixated on, we got to eat protein. I need, uh, I need meat as a protein on my plate, but in all actuality, a healthy adult woman needs about 45 to 55 grams of protein. And a man needs about 55 to 65. Now, if you are trying to get some gains, And you're working out, you might want to add an extra 10 to 15 grams of protein. But we're typically, you typically want to see your diet have like between 10 to 20% of your calories um, come from protein. And the good part is if you were to take something like rice, rice has probably the lowest protein content. And you were to eat enough rice to satisfy your caloric intake for the day, you would still have enough protein to sustain your body a healthy body. I wouldn't necessarily say it's like healthy because you don't want to just eat rice, but my point is you would have enough protein. So the problem isn't getting enough protein. You just, you can, there is nobody, especially within America with the way we eat, that is dying from protein deficiency. I would challenge anybody, if you know of somebody that died of protein deficiency, please email me because I would like to know who this person was and what they were eating because you just aren't eating enough. Like at the end of the day, you're not eating enough. And so, um, so yes. And and of course, when I'm talking about eating, I'm talking about foods that have nutrients in it, not like eating 500 or you know, 2000 calories of chips. Like, no, I'm not, I'm talking about actual meals here. So even if it did include meat, you're not, nobody's dying of protein deficiency. So getting back to my pregnancy and it being healthy for me, my growing baby, or even for um, children, once they're born and growing up, a vegan diet does contain, Pretty much all of the nutrients you need, I would say the one thing that you might want to supplement is your B vitamins, because back in the day when people were growing their own food, and were eating more locally and going to the farm and just picking, you were able to get more B12 because the, the B12 is in the soil. And so you could just consume your fruits and vegetables. Now you got to like scrub your vegetables and everything. And the nutrients are probably depleted from the soil. So there's all, that's a whole different this conversation. But um, but depending upon your own body, you may or might, may not have to supplement. For me, I've been vegan for seven years and I haven't had to supplement it yet. Not to say that I won't have to in the future because our body does produce some, some level of B12, but um, some needs to supplement and that's an easy supplement. You can spray it. You could take a capsule. It's really up to you. But, um, but outside of that, yes, it is absolutely healthy. And it's probably to me, one of the healthiest diets because you're giving your you're actually giving your body the nutrients that it needs, as opposed to going back to that conversation of having a well-balanced salad, or even if you don't, if you're like, yeah, I, I want to do salads. I don't do salads that often, but, um, cause I typically veganize foods that I ate as omnivores. So I'm still eating tacos and, um, mac and cheese and, um, and vegan fried chicken that I make from mushrooms and I air fry it, um, lasagnas, all of those things that you can think of. But I do that with plants. And so when I'm eating those foods, I'm getting the nutrients I need as opposed to if I were to eat um, the opposite, where I'm not necessarily getting nutrients to sustain my body and my growing baby. So, and then once your child is born, uh, when they start eating food, you know, these are the foods that children naturally gravitate to, anyways. You know, they say if you put a, a, a um, what do they say? If you put a rabbit or a, and a apple in a baby's crib, he's going to play with the rabbit and eat the apple. And I think that's just because naturally that's what we are. We're not like going to kill the animal and just try to eat the rabbit. So, um, so I think naturally that's what we gravitate to. So we should further, um, we should further, establish that relationship with natural foods for our children, because they're going to get all that they need. They just need to make sure that they're eating enough and well balanced where they're getting healthy fats, healthy carbs, healthy protein. Some people out here, they're taking it extreme because I've seen where people are vegan and they might be like raw vegan or something, or they're doing like a low fat high protein diet or low protein high fat diet or whatever low no what is it low fat high carb diet that's what it is and then when they have their children the children need more of a well balanced diet and they're not giving it to them so then the child is suffering but that's only because the child is only eating fruit or just eating bananas or something it's like yeah you, you got to give your baby like avocado and probably you know some other some beans and things like that But I absolutely know that if you could Google it and you can see that there's plenty of information out there showing on both sides. But but if you do your research, you'll see that at the end of the day, eating animal products puts your body at risk. So it will put your baby at risk. There's too many what ifs for me to risk my child possibly um, getting some sort of issue because they're not being well nourished or they're exposed to if it's, uh, I don't know, just some sort of too much fat or too much or whatever that animal has gone through. We tend to forget, or maybe we don't know that animals get sick too. And especially in the quarters that they're grown or, you know, that they are raised in for, for, um, for food consumption. And if that cow has cancer, all they do is cut the cancer out, just that area. And the rest of it is being Sold to you, and so you have to think that the body is interconnected, and so stuff that flew that flowed through that cancer is flowing through the rest of the body. So, to me, that's scary, and I don't want to do that. But there's plenty enough research, and again, from practical standpoints, I've been vegan for seven years, and if anybody chooses to follow my journey on social media, you'll see that in a few months I'll birth my healthy baby, and. All will be well, and you get to see that and then my, and then my children, my stepchildren, who I call my bonus babies are they've been vegan since um december ish, mm-hmm. and they've been thriving they so much has changed with them alone just from changing their diet so um I think there's a lot to say about about it just by sh- living it you don't have to necessarily have like the science behind it, it you can just live it and see there's a there's a benefit.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's so interesting that the the kids have been transitioned to a vegan diet. Was there any opposition from the kids or were they open to it when you introduced it? So there
1: was opposition um, <laughs> because at first it was like, their taste buds. I mean, think about when you go on a diet or something and you go from eating whatever you're eating to trying to eat healthy. And you're like, that don't taste right. Or it don't hit right. It's not hitting the spot. And so, um, and the kids pretty much were eating like healthier at our house. And then they would go to their mom's house and I don't know exactly what they would eat there, but I know it was more, it definitely wasn't vegan, but, and, and it was more on the package side. So they were, um, used to, a higher level of sodium and more sugary things. And so we've had them full time for a while now. And so they've really just like had to adapt to our way of eating. But at first we were making them like kid food, quote unquote. So we would make them like vegan quesadillas or vegan pizza or um, like just vegan versions of kids stuff, vegan chicken nuggets and then after a while, we're like, first of all, that's expensive because buying vegan cheese and vegan nuggets. No, you're going to eat what we, whatever's in the pot, kind of going back to when I was growing up, you ate whatever mom ate. That was it. And if you didn't want it, you're going to go to bed hungry. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there were some nights where, or some days in general, where they just weren't receptive. They're like, yeah, I don't want a smoothie. And so we didn't necessarily force it all the time, like there were times where we we're like, we want you to try it, just try it. And so they would be like, okay. And then they would kind of try it, but they wouldn't necessarily like eat the whole thing or drink the whole thing. But slowly over time, there was this, and once we just stopped buying the alternatives, then they had no choice. It was like, you're either going to just be hungry or you're going to try it. And so then they would start to try it and like kind of struggle through it. And then we would give them things that they, and they love fruit. So then they would eat a lot of fruit and just kind of balance it out. So we would give them what we knew they liked. But then um, all of a sudden it was like one day they started eating more of their dinners. They would, they would be like, oh, what is that? Zucchini? I'll try that. And like, you're the kid that didn't want to eat anything green a couple months ago. And so now my children have gone from some of them like, hating oatmeal or some of them hating smoothies or anything green, all the vegetables to now they beg me for a smoothie, especially if it has cacao. Cause you're like, Oh my God, chocolate smoothies. And I make them with like frozen bananas, cacao and some dates. And then I sneak in some sea moss and some chlorophyll and some flax seeds and all the other healthy stuff that they can't mm-hmm. even taste. And, um, and then they eat whatever we eat. And you know, back in October, we, me and my husband, we tried the SOS diet, where it's like salt-free, oil-free and sugar-free. The salt part didn't necessarily last too long, but we definitely kept up the oil-free part because we have an air fryer now and we find ways to cook without oil and we are refined sugar-free. So we use like fruit and other things like that to sweeten things. The salt, we've gone low sodium. So we were just mindful of our salt intake. But yeah, the kids now, they eat whatever we eat. They're eating quinoa, they're eating sprouts, they're eating salads. Um, We have soup. We have, I think I made a split piece soup for dinner. And so, and they were like excited about this. At one point they would be like, split pea, like that's green. No, I'm good. Mm -hmm. So, um, today for lunch, they had a stir fry that had only vegetables. It was a curry stir fry and they ate that with quinoa. So, um, so they're definitely progressing even to the point where, what I was a little shocked about was cheese because they just grew up eating regular cheese. just like I did. And I'm a cheese lover, like had to have cheese on everything. Yes. Melted, dipped, blocks of cheese. I mean, it didn't matter. Like love cheese. So I started making my own cheese, like making cheese sauce, like nacho cheese sauce or making cheese for um, lasagna. Instead of like sprinkling on shredded cheese, I would make a cheese sauce and they loved it. By the time I started making it, they like were eating it up and just, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, that's not cheese, but it's literally potatoes and carrots and some nutritional yeast. And they loved it. So um, mind you, we started this process in December and it's now April and it's been a couple, it it probably took like three months for them to fully be like, I love it all. I'm open to it all. Um, And so, yeah. So if for those that are listening that have children, they're like, yeah, my kids are not going to be down for it though. And also let me preface this with my children are seven, six and two. Well, probably by the time this podcast come out, the two-year-old will be three. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're younger. And I understand that maybe if you have teenagers, they could be like, yeah, nah, I'm about to go to McDonald's with my friends. But, um, but yeah, it just took some, some some strength in our parenting to be like, no, like I know you might be like upset about this, but let me also explain to you why. Now, that's another thing. For our parents out there, explain to your children why. Don't just be like because I said so and that's what you're going to eat, even though that's what we're thinking in our head like you're just going to eat this cuz <laughs> we're not cooking two meals, but <laughs> at the same time, we know we told ourselves why. We did the we did the research to find out why we're doing this. So we're explaining it to them so that not only can they um accept the food that they're eating for why they're eating it, but also so when they're not with us, they can make better choices as well, because we're not, like, if they chose to eat some pizza outside of the home and that's what they wanted to do, then they have to deal with the health implications, but they at least know why they should or should not eat a certain food, and we're very honest with them about it, and there's been times where they've done that, where they went with, like, since being here full-time, they've gone with um they've gone with someone else and they've had regular pizza were also gluten-free so they had like a gluten pizza with cheese and all of them were sick and they were just kind of like like sick in the way where like their stomach they was like indigestion or one was going up or it's just like so they're like oh, okay now i i get it you know i get why when i eat at home and i'm eating this food or even when we go out and we're choosing plant-based foods i feel like this But when I go and I choose this option, I feel like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point to explain to your children, especially if you're not starting them off vegan and they have to make a switch why it's happening. I think in general, we should explain more things to children. They're not stupid and they do need um, reasoning. And because I said so is not always the best way to get them on board.
1: Yeah, that's something I just think within the black community, we need to let go of and start telling our children why. And like you said, in every way so that they can make informed decisions. If not, they're going to be out here like, yeah, my mama said not to, but I don't know why. So let me see why. Let me go Mm -hmm. see why. And then They see why. And they're like, oh, it could have been a bad decision. And then you're not there to pick them up when they fall. So, Yeah. yeah, let's 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 do better. So
0: yes, they,
1: they, they deserve that mutual respect. I think that's something I didn't necessarily grow up with. It was like, you're the child. I'm the parent. Like, you don't have an opinion. You don't, you don't have thoughts that are outside of what I tell you. And uh, that's so, that's unfair. That's unfortunate because they're their own people and should be allowed to develop into whoever they're destined to be instead of us trying to say, no. That's wrong. You have to be like this, or you have to think like this. And it's only because I said so. <laughs> there's no choice, there's no reasoning. And it, it, I think that deals, that leads to some serious mental health issues and some trauma and things that as adults we have to
0: heal from. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Can you give us a book recommendation?
1: Yes, my book, ready to go vegan: a guide for making the transition to a plant-based diet, simple, affordable, and damn good. Yay! <laughs> so, um, yes, my—I mean, shameless plug. My book is—it is a guide. It helps you to—it's really like practical. I didn't want to go too technical with too many terms. I just wanted you to get like, okay, this is—I'm ready to go vegan. That's why I called it that. Like, okay, I'm ready to go vegan, but how? And so it takes you through how there's no recipes in there, but there's a meal plan in there. And you can also get the meal plan, the recipes on my site, but it has spaces to journal and take you through your whole 30, first 30 days. Um, There's tons of affirmations because I'm all about that. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm going to do this goal, but you have to affirm yourself. You have to have that supporting information to say, I can do this or change your way of thinking. If you're like I hate cooking, well you need to start affirming like I enjoy spending time in the kitchen and keep saying that to yourself until you start enjoying your time in the kitchen and figure out why you don't enjoy it. Maybe there's something that is missing and could be the light bulb to just go off and enjoy, you know, for you to enjoy your kitchen or enjoy cooking. But otherwise, it's so hard. I'm looking back at my bookcase right now, but mm-hmm. it's so hard to pick one particular book, but um, some of my top favorites are By Any Greens Necessary by Tracy McWhorter. She is a 50 something Black woman who you wouldn't believe she's a day over like 35. She looks amazing. Her mom has been vegan. Her and her mom have been vegan for 30 years wow. and uh, probably 30 plus years at this point. And they co-wrote their last book together, But by but By Any Greens Necessary is her first book. And then, um, and the book that they wrote together is called The Ageless Vegan, and it has tons of recipes, and, um, and it's a very good support tool. Um, otherwise, there's also Bryant, Bryant Terry. He's an American chef, and he has a couple of books out as well that, like, the Afro-Vegan is his, I believe that's his first book. And then he came out with a new book called The um, Vegetable Kingdom. And so those recipes, though, if you're like not, if you're like a novice at cooking, those might be go a little bit over your head, but it'll still give you inspiration on like, oh, well, there's all these different things that I could, I could, um, I could eat. So those are two really good cookbooks. They're both by two Black Um, Two Black Chefs or two, I don't know if Tracy considers herself a chef, but two Black people that have been plant-based for a while. And then there's just so many other books, though, that I would recommend just outside of, just for mindset in general, because it's not just about what you're eating. I mean, that is a big that plays a big role. But once you start, you get to that point, then you realize like, oh, okay, well, I probably need to sleep better. And I need to start meditating. And I need to move my body and start exercising. And I need to hydrate more and start drinking more water. Um, but another vegan book I would suggest is um, The China Study by T. Colin Campbell. And he really goes through and shows you you know, the effects of animal products on the body, specifically about with cancer, how it can like turn on and turn off cancer and other preventable diseases. But, um, but that's a great book, How Not to Die by yep.
0: <laughs> Dr. <laughs> it's McGregor. So funny you say that my um, laptop right now is sitting on top of How Not to Die.
1: Yes, it's Mm -hmm. a great, it it supports your laptop, but it also supports (laughs) your lifestyle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so, um, so yeah, so those are good books. Um, And then also for those that might not be into reading books, because that's a thing, and I get it because I've recently become more of a reader, but it's, it can still be a challenge at times. Um, Dr. McGregor has a website called nutritionfacts.org. And for the person that might be, really it's for like, I feel like it's for everybody because it has recipes, but for the person that needs like facts, that needs to know what's the science behind it, what's the medical research behind it, they can then go there and they have thousands of videos that explains everything about a plant-based diet and how it's affecting you medically. physically
0: yeah I really like him I appreciate his like no BS approach to talking about he's so funny yes
1: (laughs) yeah he's like very he has a sarcastic edge to him yeah he has a um he has a very sarcastic edge to him he's funny he has a great like a huge smile and just a great personality
0: yeah love him okay last question sure what is what is your dream for your life's work
1: Oh man, such a great question. So my dream for my life's work is to continue to inspire those that are looking for someone that looks like them to show them that, hey, I can do this too. And it saved my life. Like it saved my own personal life. Um, I just, and, and the thing is, is what I'm doing now I live this lifestyle. This is not like I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want I'm not calling nobody out, but there's people out there that use veganism in other industries too. I mean, but within veganism, they use that as a way to make money. And it's solely for that. They don't necessarily live the lifestyle the way that they educated, um, educate about it or um or share on their social media. Or they are like, yeah, like, um, not vegan anymore. But at one point they were so passionate about it and it changed their life. And then they're not explaining like why the change. I think people kind of deserve an explanation, but, um, but I live this lifestyle and I'm so passionate about it. And I just feel like I will forever be vegan though. I can, you can never say never, you never know what will happen, but I just don't see myself doing anything different because of how impactful it has been on my physical body, my mental health, my spiritual growth my, even my business, like my business is now helping others. And I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't have had this business or had the success that I've had if I didn't, well, I can't say that because I don't know, but all I know is I've had success within my business. I live the life that I love, and it was, it started with me going vegan and going plant-based and changing what I ate. Everything in my life changed. So as a result of that, I share freely. If you follow me on social media, I share about, I mean, I share veganism and like how, how I live that life, but I also share my personal life so that you can see that I'm a regular person. I'm not just somebody who's like, yeah, like vegan this, like I'm a black woman that's married with kids at the end of the day. So that's, that's number one for me. And then number two is, yeah, I'm vegan as well. So I'm going to show you that part and me being in the kitchen, but Um, but I hope to inspire people that are just like looking for, just looking for that inspiration to be like, okay, can I do this? And are there people that are actually black doing this? And what does it look like? And my kids are, but my kids aren't or, but I could never, and it's like, no, let me show you because you can, it's possible. You just have to, um, you just have to commit to it. So that is my dream to just continue to further inspire people to live their most authentic life, go plant-based, go vegan, and now <laughs> live off grid because, you know, I'm building a bus and we're about to start traveling full time. And so, um, so yeah, so just, and, and, and that's a whole nother community that's kind of whitewashers. You don't see a lot of Black people living um, living the nomad life or off grid and all that. But I just think it's, it's bringing us back to our roots, eating plant-based is bringing us back to our roots, knowing how to grow on food. It's all about that. That's that connection that we need to the land, to our ancestors. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how we get back to who we were. Is connect with the land. And I do that through how I eat and how I live and just try to keep it as natural as possible.
0: Mm -hmm well i definitely think you're accomplishing the work that you want to do you have such a great energy this is such a good interview um and you can tell how passionate you are about the work that you do and Thank i'm so you. grateful for you coming on and doing this i really Absolutely. really enjoyed it my pleasure um, this was fun and
1: um I'm, I'm glad that you connected with me because uh, for one, i love your questions and i love this conversation we've been having And I look forward to, for those that, you know, I guess maybe some parting words just before I leave. I do want to share that for those that are listening, um, it can be overwhelming at the beginning to just start, but to start where you're at, find support, find people that, you know, might already be vegan, even if you can't like, hire a plant-based nutrition coach like myself, just start following people on Instagram. Follow Damn Good Vegan on Instagram. Follow other vegans that look like you, that resonate with you, that do what you do. And that'll get you inspired. And then maybe one day you're like, you know what? I'm going to do Meatless Monday. I'm going to cook vegan dinner for tonight. Or I'm going to go to a vegan restaurant. And don't put too much pressure on you because there's no race to being the number one vegan, there's no cape that comes with being vegan. It's just about a personal choice for your health, for the animals or for the planet or all three. So um, so just start where you're at.
0: Yeah, those are great, great words of encouragement. Um, and people can, where can they find you online? Sure. So
1: I'm damn good vegan across the board. So damn is spelled D A M. So those were my initials prior to getting married. And so, oh, that's that's so good. (laughs) Yeah. That's why I spell it D A M. So, yep. So damn good vegan, D A M, good vegan on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I, I cut up on TikTok. I share some food on TikTok, but really I'm there for like, the voiceovers and the funny stuff. So that's my like comic relief over there. And then, um, Oh, and then my website is damngoodvegan.com good vegan.com as well. And that's where you can schedule a consultation with me. I do offer free consultations as well as, um, one hour consultations where we're doing more coaching and you walk away with a game plan. I call them strategy sessions because at the end of it, you're, you're going to have a game plan. I don't want to just talk to you and, be, and answer your questions. I want to leave you with something that's going to help you. So we're like, let's go. It's game time. Let's do this. Cause you're ready. Um, you can also see other services that I offer. I do have a membership site for recipes. So if you're looking for cooking classes and, and recipes, you can go there. Um, and then also, if you're interested in, the, in our off grid li- living, you can follow the G bus on Instagram. It's the underscore G underscore bus. And yeah, and I look forward to connecting with you all.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, everyone, please go follow Danny. Please go check out the book she recommended. Go to her website, book a consultation. Danny, thank you so much for doing this. Um, and I'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>